you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. The national corporate-owned media is ignoring what is unquestionably one of the biggest stories of the past number of years. That is, the special counsel established by former Attorney General William Barr has, two years later, filed documents alleging the Hillary Clinton campaign hired a technology firm to spy on Donald Trump, both as a candidate and sitting president, that the campaign funded and ordered its attorney, one of them or several of them, to construct a false connection between Donald Trump and Russia. The fact is that ultimately became the fake Trump dossier. You remember that. The basis created by Christopher Steele, the Steele dossier that was ultimately used as the foundation for the Mueller special counsel that persecuted hounded and harassed President Trump for years. Now, the truth is emerging, at least from the legal system. The truth has been staring us in the face for years. Joining us now is Attorney Cash Patel, Senior Fellow at the Center for Renewing America, the former Chief Investigator for the House Intelligence Committee, former Terrorism Prosecutor at the Department of Justice, early in his career, Public Defender as well. Cash, it is great to have you with us here on the show. Uh, a special counsel, John Durham, that most Americans had forgotten about in court filings this past Friday, saying Hillary Clinton's campaign, her lawyers, a technology firm, played a part in the construction and use of the so-called Steele dossier to create the Russia Gate hoax. What do you think? Well, Lou, it's great to be with you, and thanks for your extensive coverage on this. You're one of the few that actually got it right the entire time, so I'm glad for your audience. Look, we knew, as you knew back then, that Hillary Clinton paid for the dossier, and that was what I call line of effort one, right? They were running that game against the Trump candidacy paid for by the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign, conjuring up false information from overseas and peddled into the FBI and the FBI then corrupt action wiretap the Trump presidency. That was their first effort. Their second parallel effort, which we now know, thanks to John Durham's filing, is this outrageous demonstration uh, of callous by the Clinton campaign to think that they could get away with wiretapping not just the presidential candidate, but the White House, a sitting United States president. That makes Watergate look like a parking citation. And they were running both of these scams from July, early in July 16 going forward, which means they've been ongoing for years. And John Durham just showed us the, the nuts and bolts of who paid for it, the Hillary Clinton campaign. They indicted, the special counsel indicted their lawyer in relation to this activity. And now he's telling us there's a lot more coming. A lot more. And we read reports, uh, John Radcliffe. Uh, apparently telling John Durham that in his judgment, the evidence suggests that there uh, is a basis for uh, a number, a number of other charges uh, and uh, mm -hmm. and targets. Your reaction? Yeah, so look, Johnny Ratcliffe, the former DNI, is a dear friend of mine. We served together uh, both over in Congress and then over in the Trump administration. He's right. He told uh, John Durham, exactly what I told John Durham. I took 66 depositions under oath during the Russiagate investigation, including the likes of Jake Sullivan, who should be the next target, and Michael Sussman as well. The basis for the Sussman indictment is my interrogation of him under oath four years ago. And I agree with DNI Radcliffe that there are more indictments coming because there's a number of other individuals who I believe lied under oath to Congress. And those are just the beginnings of the crimes. Now we get to the criminal conspiracy enterprise that was coordinated and orchestrated by the Hillary Clinton campaign. And there's not a chance on planet Earth that only one or two people involve themselves in this effort. It is a massive enterprise that they perpetuated. And now somehow we are finding out, um, I know it's taken too long, but to uncover this, it takes time. 
but we're finding out that they actually got an arrangement with uh, some entity, the Clinton campaign, that is, to infiltrate the servers at the Trump White House. That can only happen if they are on board with the NSA. And that is the biggest scandal and crime in U.S. history. You know, there's a there's a name that has not surfaced, uh, and that is the uh, the former director of the NSA, uh, mm-hmm. Alexander. Uh, he is he didn't show up with the 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 evil triad uh, of uh, of CIA uh, of the uh, uh, the uh, of the three agencies. Uh, in hearings, uh, and, and it's odd to me. That I've always been impressed by his absence. Is that because he's a good guy, mm-hmm. or is it because he's something else? You know, I'm not too sure personally. It did strike me as odd too, and there was some dissension between the NSA and CIA and FBI when we were running the uh, investigation under Chairman Nunes. But what what I can tell you from my 16 years in government definitively, and since I've been away from it for over a year and I don't have access to classified information, I can say this knowing I can't get in trouble. There is no way the Hillary Clinton campaign secured a, quote, sensitive arrangement, end quote, per John Durham's uh, latest pleading, to obtain information and access to the servers of the White House. That cannot be done. It's the most secure system on planet Earth. You cannot do it unless you partner with the intelligence community. And what John Durham is basically saying is that the Hillary Clinton campaign partnered with permission of the intelligence community under President Trump to investigate and infiltrate the servers at the White House to continue their false Russian narrative. The technology firm that apparently was hired by the uh, the attorneys and the effectively the Clinton campaign because it was their money, uh, that mm. firm... How much trouble is it in, in all likelihood? Well, I think uh, that firm is probably one of the cooperators in this because they know they are in so much trouble. And Rodney Jaffe, as we have identified him through the pleadings and matching him up with the facts, we know that that tech firm itself that was hired by Sussman, who's indicted on behalf of the Clinton campaign, that tech firm told the Clinton campaign that they could not find any connections between Trump and Russia. And to do so would basically be a fraud. And Sussman in the Clinton campaign went ahead and said, do it anyway, make it up and give it to us. So then he, Sussman, could peddle that information to the FBI and other government agencies so they could in 2016 and 17 continue to spy on President Trump and have him investigated falsely. That is the very essence of this criminal enterprise. And it is going to be a very big network. The tech company is just a piece of it. Don't forget Fusion GPS and their entire involvement in this scheme and Glenn Simpson and the likes of Andy McCabe. This is why, Lou, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's frustrating that it takes this long. And me, as a former federal prosecutor, national security prosecutor, you know, put together some of the most complex international terrorism cases on planet Earth. But this is the largest criminal enterprise in U.S. history against a sitting president. So for John Durham, he's probably working with an army of, what, four or five people that he can trust, not the entire Department of Justice. So it's going slow, and I'm frustrated at it, but he's building the case the right way. And I think in the next couple of months, you're going to see some big indictments come down uh, from his uh, from his grand juries. There is every suggestion that this goes this uh, is and there are Obama years and a seed to the the uh, spying effort uh, by the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, is how high does this go? How just how high does it go and how broadly do you think it goes? Um, I think it goes, it's a web that goes all the way to the top. And let me give you an example. Jake Sullivan, the current national security advisor, the president of the United States right now, as we speak, was back then the head advisor for the Hillary Clinton campaign. Jake Sullivan back then pushed the Alpha Bank narrative that Michael Sussman conjured up for them. And then later under oath to me uh, in an interrogation, Jake Sullivan said he had no idea what the campaign's lawyers were being paid millions of dollars for. He had no idea about the Steele dossier line of effort. He had no idea about the Alpha Bank server line of effort. I find that impossible to believe. I also find it shocking for America's defense that that man is the national security advisor to our current president, advising him on everything from Russia to Ukraine to Afghanistan. And it's no wonder every one of those areas is such a disaster because he's being advised by a political hack who I believe lied to Congress and helped orchestrate this entire scheme. 
And Cash is speaking of his time as the former uh, chief investigator for the House Intelligence Committee, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, and, I ran and, the Russiagate investigation for, uh, yeah. for Chairman Nunes. And I'm just uh, reminding everybody uh, of what you were doing at that point uh, and why you were doing it. Uh, you were also, I've never seen a man more frustrated, frankly, uh, than Devin Nunes when he was uh, <laughs> responsible for so much and knew so much, <laughs> as did you. Uh, and I've always, uh, I've always registered your frustration uh, as you talked about it. <laughs> Uh, both of you uh, and various members of that committee, I'm sure, have known what the reality and the truth of this is for all those years and have been constrained uh, by law and regulation from from sharing that knowledge. Correct. Well, that's right, Lou. We could have we could have done what so many of the Democrats like Adam Schiff and those other and that other circus um, that they were running. Just leak classified information, tell the media the lie. Uh, the mainstream media to lie on behalf of the Democratic National Party. But no, we, Devin, myself, Johnny Ratcliffe, we did it the right way because we believe in the rule of law and constitutional oversight. We knew it was going to take longer. It was going to take time. And of course, the second entire battle to this is not just um, the investigation was hard enough to prove this criminal enterprise, but informing the American public in the world, Lou, as you know, was the second fight. We couldn't do it because we had such a corrupt media without guys like you. <laughs> the message would never have gotten out. And the whole purpose of the yeah. investigation to hold people accountable and form America, yeah. we, we wouldn't have been able to accomplish that. But we're finally breaking through. I think that's a calculus that doesn't immediately uh, occur to, to some in the audience because they're not aware, as uh, those of us who work uh, in media or politics or government, uh, of just how corrupt the national media is. Because simply to leak it, for example, to the New York Times or to the, the uh, uh, New York Times or CBS News or to Disney's ABC News, the, the corporate media, in all likelihood, if you'd given it to them on a platter, uh, would have not. It wouldn't have spiked it because it would have disappeared before it would have been ready for a spike. Uh, probably an editor would never have touched it. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. Instead, what they did was was instead what they did was they 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 started attacking Devin Nunes of the world personally oh, yeah. and myself and defaming us um, mercilessly because they said these guys they knew we were putting out the truth um, through shows like Lou Dobbs and they said absolutely not we cannot have this narrative out there Donald Trump must be shown to be a Russian crony and not Hillary Clinton and they just started mercilessly attacking us and that's why we started suing them. For defamation you got to correct the media and you're right if you could have served it up on a silver platter and they would have just said you guys are liars you're corrupt you're russian cronies and and where do we go from here uh, john durham i i, I swear Oof. to you i the, the man is should be commended by everyone for what he has done uh and and i i have mixed emotions about william barr so i'm asking you Mm -hmm. From your perspective and from with your knowledge uh, and your experience in all of these areas of intelligence and politics and governance itself, tell us what we are to make of William Barr, because on one level, he didn't do his job on so many issues. He did, however, appoint John Durham special counsel that gave him resources and time and some immunity from the deep state and the ideologues that were to follow the, the Trump administration to get the job done. And this is part of the evidence that he is getting it done. No, you're <clears throat> look, you're right, Lou. I'm not here to judge the arc of the, uh, the Bill Barr attorney general tenure. But in this instance, we were able to educate the Justice Department that this was an actual criminal conspiracy. And Robert Mueller failed um, in his appointment to uncover any of this, as we now know. And thankfully, Bill Barr did appoint John Durham, who I know personally and have worked with. Um, and he's a very serious career prosecutor. He's one of the few guys that when you say career prosecutor, he's actually a career prosecutor. I have no idea what his politics are, but I do know the level and depth of his work. And the way he's putting together these pleadings in these cases, he's not doing it to say, okay, I'm going to charge three people with a couple of low-level felonies, mm -hmm. and we're going to call it a day. He's doing it because he's building the criminal conspiracy case the larger enterprise case against, I think, the likes of Andy McCabe, 
um, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, um, <clears throat> Bruce Orr, Fusion GPS, <clears throat> and now, most importantly, the Clinton campaign and the likes of Jake Sullivan. So, I mean, just think about this. This is a this is the cast of characters. For if the all, Democratic Party had an all-star game, these people would be starting for them. And John Durham is investigating all of them and their intricate web of conspiracy against the United States. And then we go into the issue of the uh, leadership of the campaign itself, because these monies that mm-hmm. were expended and the uh, the effort and energies of personnel within the campaign, it, it seems to me, uh, couldn't have been expended without the knowledge of the chairman and the directors of the campaign itself. You're absolutely right. And one of those senior level people was Jake Sullivan back then and 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 Podesta and Ben Rhodes and whoever else was over there. And you're right. You can't spend tens of millions of dollars because remember, that's how much Perkins Coie was paid. Perkins Coie is a law firm that Elias and Sussman worked at and uh, worked for the Hillary Clinton campaign. They were paid tens of millions of dollars. Nobody can spend that amount of money and not blink, not even the Hillary Clinton campaign. So they knew they were being billed for it. Of course, there were conversations between the Eliases and Sussmans of the world and the Clinton leadership um, over at her campaign. We hope John Durham finds out the details of those conversations, because in that detail, I believe, is a criminal conspiracy that John Durham needs to show America through an indictment. And uh, we know, I I think many of us believe we know uh, where this uh, should lead, where uh, it it seems, uh, you know, that it has to lead, but proving it is another thing. And the strength and the energy mm-hmm. of the uh, of the special counsel will be all important in in justice being being served and and uh, uh, being uh, in fact enforced. Do you think that Durham has that energy and that commitment? I do. I do. Remember, this is a guy most people forget. That was the lead prosecutor in the rendition era during the CIA programs, the right. rendition programs, and, and, and faced a massive onslaught because he was taking on the intelligence community. And in essence, he's doing that again. He's taking on the intelligence community and, of course, the Clinton campaign and, and the Clinton machine. So it's a little bigger. And that's why I think John Durham is uniquely situated. I don't think anyone's scaring him off. And, you know, let me tell you this. People always say, well, what, you know, why doesn't someone, why doesn't Merrick Garland shut down John Durham? They can't. They don't have the lawful authority. John Durham has brought multiple federal prosecutions that are still ongoing. No federal judge in America is going to permit those investigations to be thwarted or shut down by the Department of Justice. And that, of course, is exactly why the special counsel exists in law. Uh, to pr- to protect uh, the public interest against, uh, I'll put it this way, other political interest within government itself. Uh, this, let's turn to, if we may, one other aspect of this, and that is what people are now uh, worrying about and thinking about and hoping about, and that is how long will this take to get to the next stage, and what do you expect that next stage to be? Um, I expect that you'll see a couple more pleadings of like in the fashion that we just saw from John Durham over the next month. And in the next two to four months, I suspect you'll see about four more indictments. Um, and I do think he has Andy McCabe as a target um, for his uh, indictment. And I think that's just right, because Andy McCabe was at the center of this um, criminal uh, crooked conspiracy. So I think it's going to take a little more time. And I know that's frustrating to hear, but um, I know he's doing it the right way because as a former federal prosecutor, I see these pleadings and I'm like, okay, he's serious. He's legit. This is not someone who's just uh, going away in a week or so. This is He's building something big. Plus, let's not forget, Lou, he put over 24 witnesses in the grand jury to include the former uh, uh, assistant director of the FBI, Peter Strzok, Bill Priestap. You know all these names. He put right. agency officials in there. He put campaign officials in there. He put James Baker, the former general counsel, of, of, in there. You don't you don't go in and get these people under oath if you're just building a small Mickey Mouse case. You lock in their testimony for future use. That's that's what a smart prosecutor does, and that's what I believe John Durham has done. He's got the right players, and he's putting the pieces together. And with that grand jury, uh, the, the the risk, the jeopardy for those uh, those people speaking under oath. 
uh, rises exponentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, that's the point. So that the, the truth will emerge uh, with a with a little help from new friends uh, uh, that he brought uh, that he brought forward. I, I, you know, I, I really appreciate you giving us that your, your sense of the roadmap here. Uh, he's charged three people, I believe now for, for lying to mm-hmm. federal agents, um, the serious charges, the charges of, uh, the criminal charges. How soon do you think, uh, that one could expect that? I think it's a large conspiracy case that he's bringing. You know, I, I'll analogize it to a RICO case, like when we brought mob mm-hmm. cases down. He's not using the RICO statute, but he's using a similar sort of platform because it's the only way to prove this criminal conduct and connect all the people. So that's why I think it's just taking time. And that's why I don't think you'll see with a major indictment for, you know, still a few more months, um, unfortunately. I know we want him yesterday, but... Um, yeah. I, have, I do. I do believe he's getting. He's getting there, and we're going to see more and more pleadings to show where he's going. And the thing that's great about John Durham is he hasn't leaked a single thing in this era, in this Amazing. day and age, in this Department of Justice and this FBI. Not one leak. Not one leak. And that tells me he's got the the right crew that he needs, ever be it so small, to get this thing done. And you, your audience should look out for criminal conspiracy involving you know you know the cast of characters better than anyone, Lou. And they're all going to be in it. <clears throat> I, I think that uh, I, I may be one of the least frustrated people in the country uh, because I am uh, so excited about the fact that truth is finally emerging uh, and that Durham yeah. is, is shown clearly. Uh, for example, what you're highlighting there, the fact that he has managed to maintain confidentiality, secrecy uh, throughout to me only speaks to the seriousness of the the charges that he is uh planning to bring uh i don't know if that's a correct inference or not but it but it's mine let me turn you mentioned jake sullivan the national security advisor to president biden uh the hysteria uh as uh Mm -hmm. zelensky president zelensky referred to uh, uh referred to biden and the administration on the part of the u.s government and the U.S. president in talking about the quote-unquote imminent uh, invasion of Ukraine by Russia, I, I've never seen a situation more screwed. Well, that's not true. I've seen a few screwed up situations, but this yeah. among the most, <laughs> and, and uh, it's right up there with the the parallel mismanagement of the withdrawal that became a surrender in Kabul. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a terrible way to treat a nation that you ostensibly are trying to support uh, against a despot. Your thoughts about what they've done and how they're doing it. No, that's that's a great point. And that's why I'm so worried that Jake Sullivan is the one advising our commander in chief. Look, um, the fact that America has lost its footing on its world stage is shown every day in the Biden administration when it comes to national security. What Russia is doing to the Ukraine and what Putin wants is the world to focus on he, Putin, and he, Russia, and, he, and he's churning his propaganda machine. Look, I'll be the first to tell you, Putin is never going to invade the Ukraine because he knows he can't start World War III. But what he can do is play with American uh, propaganda machine, make us look weak, which he wins in doing, and Xi, Xi Jinping's doing the same thing in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And Putin's going to take this thing to the one-inch one line. And now who's negotiating with Putin? You know, the French president or the German chancellor, in Putin's ginormous, uh, you know, dining room table, 75 feet away with Putin laughing at them right. and not even that, not even mentioning the commander in chief of the United States. That's how far they've fallen. And these actions that that Jake Sullivan is advising the president to take and to take like evacuating our embassy and not using our NATO allies is the actions of people who do not know how the national security apparatus works. But the only thing they care about is polit- politics. And what they want to show is that when when there is no invasion, uh, mark my words, they will take a victory lap and say they somehow saved the world from World War III, um, which could not be further from the truth. They are doing everything wrong when it comes to Ukraine. And unfortunately, Putin is in a position of dominance based on our weakness. And I truly believe I, 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 I applaud your analysis and I agree with it entirely. I think there is another aspect of this, too, that the administration uh, will not speak of, even though it's staring them in the face. And that is that Putin has put uh, not only 100,000 of his troops on the on the 
on the western border of Russia with uh, Ukraine. But he also has his troops, uh, brigades uh, in uh, Moldova, uh, has uh, forces, uh, at least uh, four or five divisions uh, in Belarus. Uh, this is this is de facto annexation if he simply takes his troops from the border with Ukraine, orders them back to base, uh, and you know uh, washes his hands of the whole thing, and then takes, as you say, uh, uh, his time in enjoying what he's done to the West and to U.S. Uh, sup former supremacy in foreign policy uh, in, in the world. Uh, I, this is a de facto annexation. If he wants to leave it right here, he wins, he wins, and he wins. What mm -hmm. do you think? You're absolutely right. He's winning. And I hate to say that because this guy's our enemy. This guy's, yep. he's, remember, this is the guy who spent $41,000 to upend a presidential election cycle in 2015 and 16. And he was laughing at us back then because it happened during the Obama administration. They let it happen. And then everybody overlooked that part and just jumped to, Trump's in bed with Putin, which was right. ludicrous, right. but he got the media campaign he wanted. We're still talking about it. We've had multiple special counsels as a result of it. Um, and he's doing the same thing in the Ukraine. I mean, it's, it's a little more expensive for him to move around these troops, but let's not forget who Vladimir Putin is. He owns half the gas and oil companies in Russia. Right. He has an endless supply of money. He's going to be president. He just changed the law. He's going to be president there for life. So he's not going anywhere. He doesn't have a term out period. And he has no respect for American leadership right now, um, not at the secretary of state level, not at the defense, defense department level, certainly not that place. Our defense department, me, I'm shocked to have to admit this as a former chief of staff for DOD, but our defense department is just playing politics with America's national security. And they show it every day. They showed it in Afghanistan and they're showing it again in Ukraine um, by being outmaneuvered um, at every chance. And all they care about is the next headline so these people in charge can fill their egos and make themselves think they are saving America when they are failing America. Lloyd Austin, Defense Secretary, Mark Milley, uh, the Chairman of Joint mm -hmm. Chiefs of Staff, uh, Milley, the Chief Advisor to the, to the President uh, on All Affairs Military. Uh, Lloyd Austin actually bringing in the defense, the defense contractors to say, we need your help mm -hmm. to find out what the Chinese and Russians are doing with hypersonic missiles. Uh, this is <laughs> the most, I, I just, I literally, I'm, I'm lost for words to describe my reaction and my anger that we have such people uh, who are in charge of this nation's security and the safety of 300 million Americans. It's outrageous. I mean, they are truly politicizing the national security apparatus. Take the, the two folks you, you said, uh, Chairman Milley, who I worked with and, and worked, he worked for us. Um, he, his sole job is to be the advisor to the president of the United States on military matters. He is not in the chain of command by law. And yet he found himself to inject himself in the chain of command when it came to all things to secure his job into the next administration, i.e. on January 6th matters, i.e. on calling his Chinese counterpart to say, we'll give you a heads up before going to invade. He does not give military command orders. He is prohibited from doing that. Lloyd Austin, he has taken my, the Defense Department that I used to lead um, and changed it from a, a machine that protects Americans to a machine that bends to the will of the mainstream media. For example, the priority of the Defense Department was climate change. And I'm not kidding, Lou. They, they put out these campaign plans. That's how we move the machine. That's how we fight wars. That's how we prepare to take on Russia, China, and Afghanistan and, right. and countering terrorism. The first campaign plan that Lloyd Austin put out for this DOD was on climate change and the weather. And you got Mark Milley screaming about white rage and phantom goats. And that's what our men and women in uniform are being forced to focus on. So, of course, they don't know how to withdraw out of Afghanistan. And, of course, they don't know how to react to the situation in the Ukraine because they didn't prepare for it because they took their eye off the mission, uh, which was protecting Americans and global security and put it on politics. Cash, I, if people aren't concerned, uh, they have not heard your words here today. And I know they have. Uh, it's I appreciate your time and your insight and your and your candor. 
I, we have a, a practice, as you know, here on the Great America Show. We give our guests the last word always and are delighted to do so when uh, the guest is uh, Cash Patel. Uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you will, your concluding thoughts. Mike, well, one, thanks for having this informative discussion, Lou, because it take you know, you are so well read and so up to speed on the matters that that's what it takes for a, a good, credible media to relay the information to the American people appropriately. And we've covered so much today of such consequence, be it the Durham stuff, um, to the latest in the Ukraine, to our national security, to, um, you know, matters that Americans, everyday Americans care about, Democrat or Republican. So I'm just thankful that you're putting this material out there. And um, if I can ever be so selfish, it's just to ask for your audience to check out my website, fightwithcash.com, fightwithcash.com with a K. Um, we're raising money to help people who need lawyers who've been defamed. So it's a foundation to help Americans. And um, if they have a spare second, um, check it out. We, we'd love your support. Well, I'm sure that the audience will be uh, eager to support you. Uh, and it's fightwithcash.com, uh, correct? Yes, sir. All right. Cash Patel, thank you very much. A great American. We appreciate all that you do and have done for this country. Thanks so much. God bless you. And Thanks. God bless America. We continue now with a great America show with an important story, an important development in the battle to secure our borders, to end open borders, to protect U.S. citizens who live in the border states of Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, and California. Uh, there has been, uh, I think, one of the most important developments in border security in some time. Thanks to the work of the former deputy director of the Department of Homeland Security and former White House budget director, Russ Vaught, at the Center for Renewing America, there is a way forward now for governors of border states to take action on their own to secure their state's border with Mexico. And that means defending their citizens against the flood of deadly drugs, sex trafficking, and the smuggling of illegal immigrants across the Mexican border that is a plague in those states. With us now is Ken Cuginelli to tell us more about what seems to me, at least, to be the foundation of a new approach to border security, given the Biden administration's abdication of all of its responsibilities to police that border. And with us now is Ken Cuccinelli to tell us more about what seems to me to be the foundation of a new approach to securing that border. Ken, it's great to have you on the Great America Show. Great to talk with you, old friend. And I have to say congratulations to you and the Center for Renewing America. Uh, this is an exciting development, I think, for border security, one that I haven't seen since, say, the election of Donald J. Trump. Yeah, there's no question that um, this is historic. And, um, you know, what it's the first time in American history, in the history of the Constitution, that any legal authority in America has addressed the question of the is what's going on at the border an invasion? And Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich issued an opinion on Monday that is the official legal position of the state of Arizona that the answer to that question is yes. What is happening at the Arizona-Mexico border is an invasion. It's no different from the other border states, but that's, uh, that's his area of authority. That was the first thing he said. The second was that under what's called the Guarantee Clause, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution, and I welcome everybody listening to us to pull their Constitution out of their pocket. I'm sure anybody listening to Lou Dobbs has one in their pocket. Um, and take a look at it. And, and the federal government promises three things to the states. They promise a Republican form of government, which is what the Guarantee Clause is best known for. They promise to protect states against domestic insurrection within the state, so against the state government. And they promise to protect every state against invasion. And it's that provision that Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich found the federal government has abjectly failed to fulfill. And the third conclusion of his opinion was the, okay, now what part? And that is that under the very end of Article 1, Article 1, Section 10, Paragraph 3, which is most commonly known for the Compacts Clause, but it also includes an opportunity for states to defend themselves when they are actually invaded. 
And that's what the language says. And that's what the Attorney General of Arizona, Mark Burnovich, found, is that the governor of Arizona, as the commander-in-chief of Arizona, can use their state forces, state police, National Guard, to repel people at the border in between the, the legal ports of entry. That they don't need the permission of the federal government to do it. Um, and as you noted, Lou, that's a game changer if one of the governors on the border will actually take up their authority and fulfill their responsibilities to protect the people of their state. Now, let, let's go to that. And attorney, the attorney general, Bernovich, is, uh, I, I mean, it's terrific that he now has made that ruling. What is the governor of Arizona going to do about it? Is he going to use that authority uh, to secure the border and protect his citizens in that state? It's an excellent question. And, um, you know, thus far he hasn't done it, but I think the issuing of the opinion completely changes the landscape and the political pressure. I will tell you this, Lou, um, this issue has been vehemently picked up in this race. They have a governor's race this year. Um, and I predict on your show, I predict that the next Arizona governor will use this authority. No one will be elected in Arizona this year after this opinion without committing to use this authority. That's my prediction. So it, as much as I'd like it to happen tomorrow, it's at least gonna happen next year. And that's only halfway through the Biden administration instead of having to wait all the way to the end until we get a president who will actually enforce our laws and protect our borders. Yeah, I, I, it's one thing to, to be waiting for the, for the election in 2024. It's another to count up the cost of doing so when we look at all of the deaths, all of the deadly drugs that are coming into this country, the human smuggling, the, the sex trafficking, my God, it, it's irresponsible of anyone, but most especially the president of the United States, Joe Biden, to basically vow that he will leave that border wide open. Uh, he will bring in as many illegal immigrants as possible, uh, and uh, the rest is collateral damage, and so be it. Uh, it, it seems to be what he's saying exactly. It does seem to be what he's saying exactly. And, um, you know, we've seen so much tragedy across this country because of not having a secure border. Mark Morgan likes to say that every town in America is a border town. Yep. And what he means by that is all those drugs he referenced, which are now produced in Mexico. I mean, the only deadly drug not produced in Mexico anymore is cocaine. And that transships through Mexico. The Mexican drug cartels, the most evil, vicious people in the Western Hemisphere, control what's coming across that border. Americans have a hard time with this. Our government, to the extent we control the border at all, is, is who we think of on the, on the border. But on the other side, looking north, it is two cartels, the Sinaloa cartel, actually three, the Zetas and CJNG not the Mexican government that crosses that border. Nothing crosses that border without the permission and paying a toll to those cartels. There are people who believe they're literally making more money with the human smuggling, which we call illegal immigration, than they are with drug smuggling now. And yet the drugs that they're sending into this country killed over 100,000 people in the last fiscal year. It's and I, and I'm looking at a number from uh, from actually your policy brief, uh, which says uh, as, as senior fellow, it's uh, Ken Cuccinelli, uh saying data provided by the Customs Border Protection in March of last year estimated cartels and human trafficking earning fourteen million dollars a day moving people across that border. Uh, it's and I. I would suspect, Ken, that that's even uh, perhaps a uh, conservative estimate. Yeah, it obviously, first of all, it's obviously an estimate, right? Because right. they don't really cooperate with us auditing them. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, nonetheless, when it, the intelligence that we have on the illegal flows is really pretty good. We know the pricing. 
And uh, one of the things I used to tweet when I was the deputy secretary, I would I would put out some of the ads, the advertisements that the coyotes run in Honduras on Guatemala, radio ads, Facebook ads, flyers they put out. And it just looks like ordinary marketing materials, but it's to transport them up and into the United States. And the prices are what for them is basically their whole life savings. Um, which is another human tragedy in all of this, but but um, that money finding its way into the pockets of the most evil, vicious people in America. That's terrible. Not in America, in the Americas, the whole hemisphere. Right. And we know that uh, over 2 million illegal immigrants crossed that border this year. Uh, some of them apprehended, some of them not. And we also know that the Biden administration for the first time ever in mass is moving illegal immigrants uh, across the country. You were talking about Mark Morgan, the former uh, head of uh, customs yeah. and border protection, uh, talking about every, every town in this, uh, this country is a, a border town. He's never been more correct because of these flights that the Biden administration is yeah. organizing to fly True. illegals from the border to unsuspecting towns and cities all over, and I mean all over the country. It's outrageous. And they're trying to do it secretly. It is outrageous. They're doing it in the middle of the night. They're literally giving their contractors instructions. Don't talk to the media. Don't tell anybody. So much for open government. There, uh, I heard from Congressman John Katko, the ranking Republican on House Homeland Security yesterday, and he said they're not answering their questions, congressional questions about this subject. I mean, they're burying it, they're hiding it. And it's one of the, the positive consequences, I think, of the Republicans taking over the House and or the Senate at the end of this year is that they're gonna have to, they're gonna Congress that's gonna be very insistent on answering these questions. And well, I yeah. think I know that, that there are a lot of people in these organizations who want to answer the questions. Well, that's the thing. I, I'm, there was a terrific clip uh, of a number of Border Patrol uh, agents talking with uh, their top uh, leaders, including uh, Mayorkas, uh, who, by the way, I to me is like putting an arsonist in charge of a fire department. I don't get what that is all about. I don't know how the man was ever confirmed. But, well, I do know, but it's stunning that he was confirmed. I'll put it that way. Those Border Patrol agents, they haven't got a job right now uh, because their goals, everything, their so, their imperatives are, are absolutely the inverse, uh, the uh, inverse of what this administration wants done, which is an open border and as many illegal immigrants across that border as possible, as many drugs, uh, as many sex traffickers, you know, it's your border. Yeah, so let's talk about that, Lou. Um, they can't get rid of ICE. They can't get rid of CBP, right? So what are they doing? They're issuing memos that deprioritize actually doing their job. If you look at the deportations from ICE, it went from 185,000 last year, two years ago, to 55,000 last year, a 70% decline. They're not deporting anybody. And that's their mission. And this administration is intentionally debilitating these agencies internally, setting up confusing and incoherent meet, uh, management structures with instructions that tie their hands. It's like if you were a marathon runner, Lou, um, and the gun is about to go off to start the race, the last thing you do is you lean down and you tie your shoelaces together. That is exactly what's going on with this administration. It is intentional. Just like the border, what you and I call a crisis, they call policy. They want what's happening at the border to happen at the border. This is the plan. This isn't a mistake. This no. is their policy. They want to undermine America. They don't believe America is exceptional. They don't believe we should have borders. They don't believe that um, we, we should enforce our own laws. And so they don't. And even Democrats, even since the spring of 2021, right after Biden was sworn in, have disagreed with Biden's own policy. Democrats in polling have disagreed with it. So, you know, 
Americans across the spectrum don't support the debilitating of ICE, of CBP, and we need to pray for these folks, especially the ones sticking it out through this administration, to still be there and do what they can for us, for you and for me and for everybody listening to protect us. They're doing a tough job in a tough environment with a leadership like Secretary Mayorkas that loathes them. And that's, that's a hard way to get up and go to work when you know your boss really wishes you didn't exist. Exactly. Well, why aren't the minority communities in this country? You know, you and I've talked about it previously. The people who are most injured uh, are those whose jobs are taken by uh, people coming in who are uh, low, low skilled, uh, low educated, and and are are thrilled to make a dollar when we have citizens here who are, you know, at entry level on up who are just being badly damaged. It's, 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 to me, it's staggering that minorities are not in greater protest of what this administration is doing. Yeah. So, so let's, uh, I appreciate you raising that Lou. It's one of my pet peeves on both sides of the aisle. There are Republicans who don't want to talk this. You know that very well um, because it offends their big business in the wall street journal and so forth. And um, the fact of the matter is the people hurt the most and hurt first by large scale illegal immigration are poor Americans who we should care about, who we, I believe, at least have a moral obligation to structure policies to not hurt them. And uh, and, and there's numbers to prove this. At the end of 2019, before the COVID hysteria hit, we reached, and I never saw this written about anywhere, we reached the lowest recorded poverty rate in American history since they began recording that statistic under Donald Trump. How do we get there? We got there because of deregulation and tax cuts, but that wasn't enough. That didn't get there, especially for poor people. It was the enforcement of our immigration laws that did the job for the poor people. That's how you drive the poverty rate down is because they could businesses couldn't just hire from an unlimited pool. They had to pay a little more. They had to pay approximately six or eight percent more, if I remember my data correctly from them, to poor people. They did better in 2019 in terms of improvement, the poorest Americans, than any other uh, quintile, as we would look at it statistically, of Americans in the country. And that's as it should be. That's as it should be. We want the poorest Americans to do better. And they got off the couch. You'll remember the lowest black unemployment, lowest Hispanic unemployment in history at that time. And that is that's real progress. That's the benefit economically of enforcing our immigration laws is you open the door, not for welfare, but for opportunity for our own poor people to pick themselves up on their by their own bootstraps and our poor people did that in america in 2017 18 and 19. and importantly and i do want to say uh we did uh on on my show report uh those uh those improvements under donald trump uh including the fact that uh, broadly across the economy the trump administration succeeded uh, in raising wages for the first time, wages, real wages had been stagnant in this country. Real well wages, know, for, right. For 20 yep. years, 20 years. Uh, and he changed, he changed the direction for the lower income Americans, for the middle class, the, the forgotten Americans, too often who are middle class, uh, who have families who work, go to work every day the backbone of this country. Uh, it, it's uh, when I think about the people who were upset because he was a mean tweeter, I, I think how puerile can a society be? Uh, how many buttercups can yeah. one nation afford really? Uh, but uh, you know, it's just, it's great that you are involved in this initiative and that you are uh, succeeding. Uh, and I want to, I want to just ask you what is next uh, for both uh, this, uh, for the Arizona Attorney General, the state of Arizona, and how far are you going to be able to get uh, both uh, energy and motivation behind this uh, constitutional basis for each state 
to defend a border that the, the Biden administration doesn't even acknowledge exists. Yeah, they won't even say the word crisis. So yeah. you, you, you used an important word there, Lou, constitutional. I want to be really clear to your listeners. This is not immigration law. This is not immigration law. This is a constitutional power completely separate from immigration law. States, according to the Supreme Court, are not allowed on their own authority anyway to enforce immigration law under a ruling in 2012, ironically, Arizona v. U.S. And um, but this power was one that states kept to defend themselves, its constitutional power. And so now, as you noted, what happens? What happens is people turn and ask Doug Ducey, they ask Greg Abbott, those are the logical people to turn to immediately. Are you going to actually protect our border instead of just complaining about Joe Biden not protecting it? You have the power, you have the authority, so don't you have the responsibility? And the and the follow on to that is, as I noted, this is spilling into the campaigns of 2022. Both states governor's elections are happening this year. And this is in Arizona, at least. I truly believe no one will get elected the next Arizona governor without committing to do this. And uh, Texas is a little different animal, but I think that it's going to be uh, it's going to be politically very difficult for them to avoid moving forward, especially once Arizona's doing it. I mean, they'll just, you know, they'll be being left behind. They'll be, it's just like Ron DeSantis pushing harder than Greg Abbott. Here you'll have Arizona pushing harder than Greg Abbott. And and uh, I know, I've known Greg for a dozen years. I don't think that's a position he really wants to be in. So I, you know, that isn't how decision-making should happen, Lou. But I do think the pressure is gonna keep turning up now and this legal opinion does an enormous service to those of us in this country, like you and me, who want to find a way to defend our borders. States have sovereignty, and this is one of the elements of sovereignty that they have preserved for themselves. They should use it. Well, Ken, as always, thank you uh, uh, for uh, bringing uh, your knowledge, your expertise, your insight uh, uh, to, th- to the Great America Show. We're, we're deeply appreciative. I want to congratulate you and Russ Vaught and the Center for Renewing America for doing so. And uh, we wish you all great success and good luck as you move forward and come back soon and keep us up to date, if you will. Absolutely, Lou. It's great to be with you as always. Thank you. Ken Cuccinelli. And that's it for this edition of The Great America Show. Thanks for being with us. See you tomorrow. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.